You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling in the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, to all of those who lived well and died well and met the challenges of their time long before we were here. I call out to these ancestral helping spirits who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral line to us, to us here in this time, this very short time that we are here as the living. And I call out to those helping spirits to help us to meet the challenges of our time in new ways where that is necessary. And to help us to remember the old ways where that is what will strengthen us and give us perspective and help us to know how to be the best that we can possibly be for those who are coming. So I call out to the ancestors to take their place with us, to stand behind us, the living, and to push us into our true selves so that we might respond to the pull that we feel from those who are coming. And may we live our lives in a way that those descendants will look back at us as their ancestors and to be proud to become, to come from such a magnificent lineage. So let us show up and be what our times ask of us. And may the ancestors help us in that. Let us reach out past those human ancestors and to remember that life is big and full and rich and diverse. And we call out to those energies that were here long before humans were ever dreamt up and will be here long after. And we ask those ancestors to stand with us as well and to help us for their many, many, many human problems that need an answer that exists beyond our current human thinking. And we ask these ancestors of their many other forms to give us other ways to see, to feel, to know, and to be present in our life in ways that we truly become the medicine for our time. So I give great gratitude for all of these ancestors, human and non-human, for gathering around us here today and helping us. And so we, the humans, draw our energy from wherever it might be into our heads, from our heads to our heart. And from our heart down to our belly. And we take a moment and reach down to touch the earth. We take a moment in this physical day, this real true day, to touch the real true earth and to give real and true gratitude. Thank you for life. Thank you for all the challenges and all the beauty. For all the gifts that I have come to understand and those I do not yet know. I give thanks for all that has been that has brought me to this moment, for all that is in this moment, and for all that will be. We give great thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brings such beauty and diversity and possibility into our lives. And we give deep, deep gratitude for the grace, the generosity in this dream that allows us as humans, no matter how 
big a mess we've made of things. As long as we are still breathing, we can still change. We can still transform. We can still set things right. And we give great gratitude for this aspect of the dream of life. So with enormous gratitude in our hearts to the earth, let us reach down through all the layers of the earth, allowing our gratitude to pour out as we go, as we move down layer after layer after layer, until we arrive in the very center of the earth and let us anchor our own groundedness firmly there in the center of the earth and take a moment and draw in this essence energy that brings life as we know it, the abundance to the face of this planet, this energy that is before it is all these other things, this pure potential, this stillness, silence, darkness, peace. Let us be in this for a moment before we draw this energy up, just as we would draw up fresh, clear water from deep within the bowels of the earth. And we draw up this crystal clear energy, bringing it up into our body. And may we draw on this earth energy to teach us how to be grounded in life, how to take a stand for that which we truly believe in, that which makes our hearts sing, and to do so, to take that stand in a way that is good for all life, that is nourishing, that is inspiring for all living things. We ask the energy of the earth to help us to take a stand and to build a sense of home and belonging, a sense of place in a way that opens our doors to others who are different than we are. That allows those who feel different to be comfortable at our table. And that we learn to listen and to hear things that might at first challenge all that we know and believe. And that our table might become a place where those who are different feel safe to come and be who they authentically are. May the earth help us understand how to be good humans. And with this understanding coming in, let us understand how to connect with ourselves, how to connect with others, how to connect with our environment, to interconnect with things, to understand the interdependence of all things, and finally how to truly connect with the invisible world in a way that is intimate and allows the guidance and the inspiration to flow. And with all of this, may we have that gift of some moment in each day to connect to the oneness of all things. And let us draw this energy up from our belly to our hearts and our hearts to our minds and drawing it all the way up into the sky above and whatever weather it holds for you in this moment, up and out through the atmosphere, out in the cosmos and reach all the way up to the highest power of the universe and take a moment to be in that radiant energy and to allow that energy to receive your radiance. And as we draw this essence energy down, we draw in the essence of blessings the essence of protection and generosity, the essence of benevolence and the great beneficent energy of this universe. We draw down the wisdom of the cosmos and we call this energy in, into our head, into our heart, into our belly, and we send it all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we take our place as this connection between heaven and earth. We allow this big love to move within us and know that at It not only brought us to the face of this planet, but all else. And may this big love awaken our own hearts and awaken our hearts to be that crucible of change that will allow us to draw up the fiery passions of our belly and down the crystal clarity of our mind and to let these two energies dance in our heart in such a way, in their dynamic tension that neither is lost, 
The essence of each is honored and respected by the other, and out of that challenge arises our memory, our knowing, our sense of why we are here. That unique thing that has not yet existed and will not exist if you do not live it. So I ask you to reach into that very same human heart and to find some courage to do something in this day, large or small, to make your gifts manifest here in our time, in our world. And I give great, great gratitude for the abundance of spirit help that gathers around each one of us, that we are supported every step of the way in doing precisely what we have come here to do in a way that is good for all living things. May what needs to be said today be said, may what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. Speaking of good living things, I would like to give special thanks to Rich and David and Callie, Pamela, Darcy, Deb, John, and all of you who have donated to the show financially. Thank you all for helping me to keep the show on the air. If this is the first time you're listening to the show, this is listener-supported podcast radio stuff on shamanism, shamanic healing, how we live shamanically in the world, and a whole bunch of other things about shamanism. But it is listener-supported. We exist here on the air in our sixth year for one reason, and that is because you as the listeners have been willing to donate financially to the show so that the show can pay its bills and stay alive and on the air and be healthy and happy and hopefully relevant to those of you who are doing what I'm trying to do, which is to live as shamanic people in our contemporary time. Not to simply be contemporary people playing around with shamanism. So I give great gratitude to those of you who can donate. Um, If you don't know how to do that, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com to the show's website. also has a Facebook page, which is where you can comment about shows. But if you want to donate and uh, get to the archives, you go to whyshamanismnow.com, click the donate button. You can donate any amount, large or small. We are grateful for all of it. It all keeps the show on the air. And this is really the point, right? If we are moved by this show, to let that movement of the heart move you into action and to do something. If you can't donate, fine. Do something that helps the show to be known by more people, to spread, share it for those of you that are much more savvy and wise than I am on social networking, internet, etc. But to bring them into your journey circles, bring these teachings into your life, use them in some way and email me back. Let me know what happens. Help me to know what more we need to talk about with your questions, with your, your experience, and ultimately with your show ideas. So, And you can stop asking me to do shows on aliens. It isn't going to happen. So anyway, other than that, <laughs> I am really happy that you are engaged so that I can still continue um, to do this. And remember, for those of you that do donate, I get emails all the time from people who are not able to donate and are deeply grateful to you for being willing to do that so that they can access these shows free um, wherever people are able to get to the internet. So thank you, everyone. So we are live today, and if you'd like to call in about the show's topic, you can call in at 512-772-1938. You can Skype in from the code-creatornetwork.com site, or you can email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. 
And lastmaskcenter.org is um, my practices and my classes website. So you're welcome to go there to find out um, what I'm doing and how to um, join me in that. Okay, so today's topic is, is not so much a spoken question, but it is often at the essence of emails that I receive, which is basically, why can't I find a great healer? You know, why can't I find someone who can help me do what I'm trying to do? And, it, and it's a complex question, but I'm going to do my best today to dive into this question. So with that said, though, many years ago, many, probably in the first or second year of the show, but nonetheless, you can find it easily by searching for Soul's Purpose um, at WhyShamanismNow.com. At the site, you can find this archive. Um, but I did a show about the soul's purpose and how it's the cornerstone of our well-being. I'm pretty sure those words are all in the title. How uh, it's the cornerstone of our well-being. And so what this show was about was about the shamanic spec- perspective about how we actually cultivate and maintain health as humans. And this is a very different perspective, actually, than the um, typical contemporary American allopathic medicine, um, sort of Western European uh, perspective the sort of dominant world culture perspective. And the perspective is very simple that everyone, regardless of the circumstances of your life, has come into this life with a unique purpose. In other words, yeah, 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 we're all a face of the divine and that's fabulous. However, if we were all the same face of the divine, this would all be awfully redundant. And why would the universe even have bothered manifesting people? And so the point is that each of us has a unique purpose that is not karma. That is why we're here. It is the unique gift that we've come into manifestation, that the entire universe is bothering to give enormous amount of resources and energy to this one person because they have something unique. It's a unique face of the divine to be offered. It's, it's equally equal in its value to all other faces of the divine, but it is unique. And if you don't do it in this life, it never gets done. And so the whole manifestation of the divine, the fabric of the universe, the great song, whatever you want to call it, is weakened by that lack, that missing peace in a sense and so that we as humans then have a great driving force for life a passion actually that comes out of our soul it's the soul's desire to do what it's here to do and that what we then need to do is understand essentially how to drive the bus right how do we be a good human since that is the vehicle that we have chosen to manifest this purpose. And so that's really what is underneath the shamanic cultures, why they live the way they do, why they value what they value, why they practice what they practice, why they chose to live in certain ways that we would look at and think, well, why'd they do that? You know, why didn't they just invent electricity? Well, gee, I don't know. Let's go talk to the Pacific Ocean about why maybe we needed to not have invented electricity. I mean, you get my point. My point is they could see into the future and they could see certain choices and say, wow, that's just too costly. Let's not do that. In, in the future, for our children's 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 children, it costs too much. 
you know, we're ransoming basically the earth. So anyway, this was the point is that, that humans then, our task here then is to manifest the great well-being in our physical body, in our emotional body, in our mental, psychological belief, perspective on the world body, and in our spirit body, that we need to, to awaken the wisdom of all of these bodies, have skills to be able to access that wisdom, to allow everybody to sit at the table, the decision-making table inside each one of us, and to make decisions as a whole person towards the expression of this soul's purpose in the world. And just in case you might be hearing this as a typical solipsistic American perspective, the point was I, get, I can't do my gifts without community. I mean, and that's really the setup is I can't do it without the support of community and community thrives and grows by supporting the individual to bring out their uniqueness and their unique gifts. And so it's a, it's a complementary dualism. And that these th- two things operate together. And that in the doing of this, there's also a di- dynamic between the health of the community and the health of each individual in the community. And so health – so in other words, in my efforts to live my soul's purpose, it will keep me focused in a way that I cultivate well-being, the four wisdoms of the body working together. And in doing that, I am actually support- supporting and cultivating an environment that supports Uh, health, physical health, the health of the vehicle that my soul has chosen to bring my soul's purpose into the world. So that was the essence of that show. So it's important to understand that if we're talking about, one, looking for a healer, but looking for a shamanic healer, looking at how do I get the healing that I need from a shamanic perspective with the understanding that we're, we're on that journey in the contemporary world. So it's not just going to be all romanticizing what this would have been like in the past because we're not there. We're here, right, in this time. So what's interesting to me is that everywhere I've ever practiced, every city I've ever practiced in, there's always been a person. Sometimes it's male. Sometimes it's female who just makes the rounds with their story to all of the practitioners. So back in New York in the beginning of my practice um, decades ago, there was a man and his story, who knows what the truth was, but his story was that he was this um, Orthodox Jew, which in and of itself is not a problem, but his story was that he was an Orthodox Jew, that he'd studied his entire life, followed all the rules his entire life, and in university, I don't quite, I never did quite understand this part of the story, he met a woman at the library, and the woman at the library challenged him. Now, why she bothered to do this, I don't know. I mean, I look back at the story now and I think, what was I thinking? Why didn't I hang up on this person? But at the time, you know, I was a young practitioner. I wanted to help. I wanted, you know, th- these helping spirits were newly with me and their their energy is about helping people. So I wanted help. So I'm listening to this guy, meets this woman at the university and eventually she pries open his very closed mind and he sees there's this whole other world out there. And in particular, he sees that his attitudes and his, his personal perspective about women is really problematic. And, and this goes on and on and on. But what it basically boils down to is that he believes 
that he wants to do a ceremony where a woman embodying the goddess will wash his hair and cut it, which is really symbolic if you know anything about Orthodox Judaism. Okay, so my first perspective, of course, is, well, why isn't the woman who woke you up going to do this for you? It seems the logical conclusion of that path you two were on. She magically disappeared. And then end a phone call. And so I'm wondering about this. And thankfully, I had colleagues who had been around the block a few more times than I had for 10 more years than I had that I could go talk to. So I start to bring this up and all the women in the room, just the women, okay, these are all shamanic practitioners, men and women, all the women in the room start laughing. And what I find out is that this guy has been calling every new female shamanic practitioner in the greater New York City area as soon as they sort of come out, as soon as they, you know, put their little ad in the free paper, he's on them. And he is calling with the same story. And I wondered about this and I thought, well, we shouldn't be, you know, biased. We should, you know, give this guy his chance. And But I now know that this has been going on for a, a long time. So how long has he been at university waiting to get his hair washed, you know? And the more I talk to him, the more I realize and begin to get the feeling that all this particular individual really wants is to spend time on the phone talking to a forbidden, exotic, powerful woman and to just talk to her about forbidden things that this was some sort of erotic turn on for him and now it's possible this was entirely sincere but I don't think so and so my point is as a person out there looking for healing you need to understand how weird it gets being a practitioner listening to what people are saying has happened to them and what they believe that they need. And so, no, I never washed the guy's hair. I don't know if anybody ever did. Maybe he's living happily ever after somewhere, having found the right person to wash his hair. I don't know. But the point is, everywhere I have ever been, there has always been that person who never actually makes the appointment for the healing, but just makes the rounds and uses up your time, your energy, your compassion, and to some degree engaging your intuition and your helping spirits to try to sincerely help them when there's no sincere effort on their part in the first place. So given that these people exist, male and female, out there all over the place, I want to acknowledge that it can be an enormous frustration for the everyday person who does want to get out of their same old story, their same old pain, their same old suffering, the same feelings of heartbreak about the world. Um, And I get that that's out there and that it can be extremely frustrating finding the help you need to basically reach escape velocity, you know, to, to, to get out of the orbit of those stories that suck you back in to the same thing again and again and again. It can be hard to get the energy that you need to, to reach escape velocity and, and get to a new place. I totally understand that. And then here I am, right, every week talking about loving your life, living your soul's purpose, creating a life of legend. And you're like, lady, I can't even get out of bed. I am so far from knowing my soul's purpose, blah, 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 right? I get that. There can be huge frustration out there. 
Okay. So let's talk about that. So there's kind of two sides of this, why can't I find a healer frustration? And I'm talking now about those people who actually do want to find a healer. So the first is that you truly can't find the person who can help you. But you are looking. I want to talk about that person. So you really are trying to find someone to help you. You are looking. You are trying to do things yourself. And you do honestly feel that you are doing your part. Okay, so these are the kinds of things that 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 it sounds like when that type of person is asking for help. They're saying things like, you know, why can't I ground myself consistently? in spite of working with several different shamans or decades of therapy or, or seeing several different practitioners, like, you know, and doing my own daily practices. Why is it that I can't feel effectively grounded? Um, some will say things like I started working with a shaman. I mean, like most people are pretty desperate by the time they work for, with shamans, to be honest. It's unfortunate, but true. Because I dissociate for days um, or I suffered from name the diagnosis of mental illness, you know, for so many years. Or I was chronically homeless or chronically jobless, chronically something, you know, no matter my best efforts. And I mean this sincerely that, that there's lots of people out there that, that have this story. And while I believe so much of this that I'm about to share is – the result of the, the way in which our American culture fails us as to be in the efforts to have us become healthy, mature, spiritual adults. Nonetheless, this is the time that we're in. These are the people looking for help. We are the people offering the, the healing. And I'm a person looking for help, right? I have practitioners that work with me. So we're all in this boat together, in other words. This kind of person also says things like, there's just so much about boundaries I can't get. You know, I was barely raised in the first place, much less raised with healthy boundaries, information about healthy boundaries, or my boundaries were violated on a regular basis just so I could get food or get some facsimile of love. I mean, this is really typical. And I've been trying to learn and understand boundaries my whole life, but, you know, relationships do this, da-da-da-da, you know, this is really common. And then there's the whole energy thing about understanding chakras. There's so much beautiful information out there and so much misinformation out there. So nonetheless, you know, a lot of people and a lot of people have a sense of having, no matter how hard they work, having no true connection to certain chakras as if the chakras themselves are missing. And this is, this is, is it about the chakra energy? Is it about the connection? You know, there's a lot to that. And the problem is if that's a consistent pattern where energy workers are trying to fix it and yet it keeps persisting, then there's something deeper going on, right? So, and some people say, you know, I'm really in awe that these problems persist given everything I've done and how hard I've worked. And as people talk about this, you can begin to really hear the distinction between people that have been working and they are tired of it not coming to fruition and people that are just whining. But anyway, moving right along. So the type of person who's really engaged and just not finding what it is that they need um, often 
come to the shaman at the point where they feel like, you know, my life has really become a life or death struggle. Either life, their own physical life, or engaging with life has become life or death. You know, I'd be fine if I could just close the doors and never have to come out, but I have to deal with the world, and that feels life or death. Um, And though they've been motivated to work on things, usually prior to coming to see a shaman, that they're frankly getting really worn out from the decades of this work, of the time, of the energy, of the trust, of the dedication, of the money that they've spent, and they just don't feel they've gotten out of all of that a fair return to be frank and and they feel that basically in their life they've circled back around to the exact same problems right new manifestation same problem and so there's this this sort of popular idea that what we used to call breakdowns are now spiritual crises or spiritual awakenings um and and some people accept that some people leave their home they leave their profession they travel around the world they go live in a tree they go hang out with a shaman somewhere um, and these these are often people that have taken a serious step out of the contemporary culture and its expectations in an effort to find something healthier. And yet, no matter what life they create, they remain in a new version of the same story that ultimately results in great suffering for them. And so I'm sharing this in somewhat detail so those of you that are listening can understand you are not alone. This is not This is the bulk of the clients in my practice. Many of them have had great therapists, great practitioners, worked with great shamans. Others have had terrible practitioners, right? They've done body talk and voice dialogue and EMDR. You name it. People have done it. And then there's often this sense of then I finally started working with a shaman. I had a few soul retrievals, maybe some abstractions. You know, I definitely felt better in the beginning. You know, I was able now to stay in my body or able now to have boundaries, able now to be grounded, you know, able to do something, able to stay in my job. But often they're circling back around and saying, but now I see the same issues surfacing in my new life again. You know, when am I going to be done with this? Why have I failed? And that's the problem is there is this ever-growing feeling of hopelessness and failure. I'm just wondering why are my original issues not being addressed in spite of everything that I'm doing. So here's a couple things. I think we're all on the same page now. So here's a couple things that we need to look out for as we look at this. So the first thing is the fact that something is resurfacing does not necessarily mean you didn't do good work before you and the practitioners that you worked with, be they shamans or otherwise, that the fact that something isn't completely done in and of itself is not necessarily mean, meaning that you failed. That in this, in this regard, it may mean that you did a certain amount of the work. You just didn't get to the source. And so the biggest issue around integrity that I see with contemporary practitioners is claiming they're at the source when they're not. And then when the person manifests the problems, again, making it the client's problem and not really looking at, okay, what, what did we accomplish and what do we need to do now to make sure we truly get to the source this time? I mean, and there's a piece of that that's really on the practitioners. 
being able, this was a hard thing for me to learn in my own practice is I would do something and I would feel that it was done, but the person would come back and say, but blah, blah, blah. And I'd have to sort out, is, is this resurfacing because the client hasn't done their part to integrate the work we've already done? Or is this surfacing again because even after them doing their part, because we didn't get to the source? I mean, it, it's always a viable question. So this isn't a simple cookbook situation. There's always these variables. But what's really important to understand is just because something resurfaces doesn't mean you're failing. There's a, there's a lot of reasons that something could be coming back. It's just about the layering and the depth of the work that you're doing. You just haven't gotten to the source of the issue yet. However, this whole everything is like an onion thing I think is overrated and it's a misused truth. It is true in certain contexts like the one I was just describing where someone has a great fear at the root of the problem. And as they begin to get closer to the fear, the desire to deflect is so huge, you can only get through so many layers of truth at a time, let the person process it, they get comfortable with it, and then they can go deeper. Now, this is a really common and effective way to work around that kind of situation. So in that case, the onion thing applies. However, it really shouldn't be used as an excuse to keep banging away at a process that is not working, right? And so, and those two things are always a possibility. So the greatest issue is to be able to discern what is going on. Right. So let's say that we've done what felt like good work, but the problem persists. So first, we need to remember that spiritual bypass always feels like good work. So that is always the place I, the, in the patient role, need to look honestly. Did it feel like good work? And I'm reinforcing how good that felt it was so you know I'm, I'm overstating the work because I don't want to look deeper and realize that actually it was a total spiritual bypass okay that's always a possibility you always have to look there always keep that in mind but if you're really sure something shifted but the pattern persists almost immediately then a, a couple things are happening either you're not actually matching uh, the modality of healing with the wound itself. In other words, the modality is creating a, an instantaneous sort of moving around of energy, but it's really not the right match for the wound. So this goes back to something I've said a million times on a million shows, which is the wounds themselves define the healing that they need. We don't get to do that. The wounds do. In other words, if I cut my arm open and I'm hemorrhaging, I don't want to run into the ER and have someone start treating me for the flu. I want someone to sew up my arm. See, in the physical world, we understand this really clearly, that we need to treat the problem. But in the spiritual world, in the mental world, in the emotional world, we're not so clear what the problem is. And so we often apply sort of the wrong treatment, an ineffect, a treatment that in and of itself can be effective in the right situation. But relative to the problem you brought to it, not the right modality. So that could be the reason there it felt like something happened, but the pattern snaps back into place because the modality is effective. It does shift your energy, but not in the necessary way for the problem. So that could be part of it. So you need to change modalities. Or the modality might be a great fit, but you simply need to go deeper. I have been with people who simply 
chicken out. And I have been with practitioners who chicken out because the person's problem lies at a depth the practitioner themselves have not yet gone in themselves. And so, you know, maybe right modality just need to go deeper with it, need to, need to allow a greater intensity, a, a hotter transformation. So that's a possibility. However, if the pattern surfaces later, in other words, I lived for a year or two and it felt like it was gone, but now I'm realizing it's the same pattern again. Then I would move on to a different modality uh, that is going to actually get at the source of the problem, even if that means being willing to ignore the pain of the symptoms. And because you've lived your life for a couple years without the pattern, you should, as the person pursuing help, help in healing, be willing to do that. I know it's worth it. I can, I can move out of that place where I just want relief from my symptoms and be willing to go on a path that's going to dive deeper. Now, if the different modality, um, you know, if, you've, if you're already using the heaviest hitters that we have, if you're already getting soul retrieval work and things like that, then it's just another soul part. It's not that you failed necessarily in the recovery and, in, recovery and integration of soul part A. It's just now we need soul part E, you know, another, it's another soul part that may have left during the same issue. I mean, we don't necessarily have, depending on the issue and how we respond to it, you know, there could be more than one soul part that splits off, especially at a certain time. Sometimes people have a troubling time in life, a year or two, that was extremely troubling. And there can be a lot of different loss in that time. So anyway, anything's possible. So the other thing, though, may be um, if you need to go deeper and you feel like you have the right modality to go deeper, you may simply need a different practitioner, Uh, particularly if you feel pretty confident you have exhausted the limits of working with that person's gifts. So, for example, I used to work with a, a practitioner when I was dancing in New York who was excellent. I have absolutely no criticism of this man at all. He was excellent. And the work that I did, which was basically through a very complex system of applied kinesiology, was groundbreaking and it was enormously helpful. And that's part of the reason I realized whenever we got into something where the root of the issue was my own issues with my father, the effectiveness of the, of the practice went down by 60 70%. And then if we would move out of that arena in, into some different arena of issues, it would be back up to 100% again. And this is when I realized that this practitioner lost his capacity to work intuitively when his own matching picture issues came up. So as soon as we moved into father territory, he was down for the count. He didn't realize it, but I did. And partly the reason that I did is because for every other issue possible, he was so effective. And so it's important to understand practitioners are human. Very, very few practitioners have actually gone through the kind of rigorous ego death kind of initiation that is in the old stories of the shamans. Most of contemporary practitioners simply haven't gone down that road themselves and you need to know that going in just because someone calls themselves a shaman doesn't mean they've done their work not these days unfortunately so 
And everybody's got their blind spots. We're here. We're humans. We're working. If we were done working, we wouldn't be here anymore. And so we all have – I have my blind spots. We all have our blind spots. We all have aspects we don't do well. What you want to look for is a practitioner who knows their blind spots, who knows their weaknesses and willing and is willing to say to you when your process goes right into the area they're not really very clear in to say, all right, this is an area I'm not good in yet. Here is a referral to someone that I know, that I trust their work, and I know they're really clear in this arena. That's the kind of practitioner you need to look for, the kind of practitioner who has colleagues that they respect and that they refer to when someone needs um, a skill they don't have very well developed or the process has moved into an area where that practitioner knows their own clarity of vision is occluded by their own unresolved issues. You know, looking for a perfect practitioner is folly. Looking for a practitioner who knows their weaknesses, knows their problem areas, is that practitioner is worth their weight in gold. So keep that in mind. Okay. So now the second issue though, for this kind of person who is working on things but not really getting out of that work what they feel they should for what they're putting in. They, it is possible that it's not just the modality. It's this issue I was just talking about, that the healer is not able to go to the depth that the person needs. We all see things differently. And we all work in different ways. So, for example, David Franklin Farkas, part of the reason I had him on my show is because his perspective about clearing and working with energy and working with space and working with people and their energy is entirely unique and different and very effective. And many of us aren't very effective with our clearing and extraction and deposition work long distance. That that for though that aspect of shamanic work that can be very challenging long distance david works really effectively long distance so i thought that was interesting you know that's why i brought him on the show is because he has a unique way of approaching it and this is an important thing to understand i cultivate colleagues who have different ways of approaching the same energy because sometimes my way of approaching it leaves me unable to shift things I just don't see it in a way that allows me to get some purchase and be effective. But someone else who sees it very differently can actually see the very thing I am for whatever reason blind to. And so it's really important to work with practitioners who respect and value their colleagues who are different than they are. That is a that is the kind of practitioner you really want so that you're not running around trying everybody in your area but you actually are working through the referrals of people who have respect in their practice in the, in their profession for their own colleagues so it's really hard for anybody to work for years with someone only to find out later that he or she tends to sidestep those very issues. It's, it's kind of like that situation where you finally break up with that guy or that girl and your friends will go, well, we knew that wasn't going to work out. And you're going, well, why the hell didn't you tell me years ago? Right? Same thing with practitioners. It's really hard to hear years after you've been working with the person, oh, yeah, so-and-so always sidesteps issues around something. Right? That's a little problematic. So – 
what's the first issue here then is learning as a consumer in the best sense of that word of healthcare that you create good matches that you have a good relationship with your truth cord and you have a sense of creating good matches between the modality and the wound between the intensity and depth of the source of the problem and your willingness to go there but also the the depth of the source of the problem and the practitioners willing to get to that issue you know if i can't tell you how many people say well i was with this practitioner of some kind for a decade and i always felt we needed to go deeper well hello why'd you stay for a decade if you needed to go deeper go find someone to do the deep part and then go back to that person to help with the integration so anyway always keep in mind that some of you are really comfortable in process this is a whole nother issue and that you want to clear that next energy or dive into that next soul retrieval but that your very desire to stay in process in and of itself is a distraction from living which ties back to the reason I brought in soul's purpose at the beginning of the show often the healing energy that has occurred in a good healing event is lost when the person receiving it does not integrate the healing into how they choose to live their life. They're just looking for the next process. They're not doing their integration of what has happened, allowing it to change them and change their life, changing how you think, how you act, what you talk about. This is how we implement that healing. So in other words, sometimes the next step after a healing is not another healing, but through the integration to live well or to use your efforts to live well to help you with the integration and to just live your life and to see what your life brings up. So I'm kind of running out of time, so I'm going to share some really gore, not share some really gory stories. But they were all examples of this kind of person um, who's not necessarily the kind of person who is actually doing all that they need to do and just simply not getting the results that they need. This is the kind of person who, again, circles around to every single healer. And it breaks my heart, but the bottom line is nobody wants to work with them. And I don't think they truly understand why. But the reason for it is that they have been utterly seduced by their own story and that they are demanding a healing, a path out of this story they're in that is fraught with suffering. And they are demanding a way out that matches their story. I mean, it has to happen in that narrative. So let's step back from this a moment to look at why I find this so problematic. So let's review. You, me, all of us, we're all living in every moment in the logical conclusion of our belief system for better or for worse so in every moment in essence we have arrived where we have arrived because of the sum total of our life and our and our current beliefs and story in other words our story so the sum total of our belief system is essentially then equal to the experience you're having so if you're having a hideous experience, 
you have to understand your story is playing a part in that. Not, I'm not saying this from the perspective of blame, but of simply understanding how energy works. And if the, so if the experience that you're having of your life is the thing that you want to change, then by the very definition of real change, you must be willing to change your story. So this, this kind of person that I'm talking about, it's not that I can't see their suffering and don't understand their suffering is real. But I also see at the same time that they are trapped in their own story. And the fact that their medicine, their transformation, their change exists outside of the story. The story in and of itself, although explains how they got to where they've gotten to, is the issue. So, for example, I'll get the blah, 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 the big story, and then I'll go back to, okay, but why did you choose to take that training with those people that stole your energy, blah, 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 and are still preying on you 15 years later, right? Let's get back to the beginning. What was going on so that you made that choice in the first place? And then there's a deflection. And so this is, this is the first sign of the person who is lost in the seduction of their story. And the only healers they will be satisfied with are those who will be willing to function within the confines of the story. Which by definition means that healer becomes part of what propagates that story. Because it will fail. And... Nobody wants to engage in that Sisyphusian task. That the important thing to understand about coming to ask for healing is you have to be willing to change your story. I mean, what is soul loss and more importantly, soul retrieval if it isn't about changing the story? Right? What happened, the reality is XYZ happened and the way you responded to it at that time is you lost a part of yourself. That's the story. The only way to heal from that is to accept the new story, which is that part of yourself that left has come back and that you have repaired through integrating that part in a way that resolves that old conflict. And so the fact that blah, blah, blah happened in the past actually no longer matters, that the story is changed and you have to let go of that slight from the past and the debt you feel you're owed around that and the victimhood and all that comes from that and own your new healed self and the story that that self wants to create now. And so every soul loss slash soul retrieval slash integration is a change of the story. If there's no integration, the story doesn't change. And that's why integration is so important. Okay, so let's say that you really are willing to change your story. So what is yours to do on your healing journey? And what will you likely need to ask help for? So this question brings us back to your story. What is yours to do are the things that reinforce the change of the story? The things that reshape the thoughts in your mind. The things that change the way you make choices. In other words, it's the daily responsibility. You are the one who is responsible for the relationship with the thoughts you have and the actions you take. Your task is to be conscious in this relationship. Literally, 
this relationship with what you're literally doing every day. So whatever you do every day is actually your practice, for better or for worse, in the largest sense of that word, practice. So now if we want to use practice in the sense of uh, practice as a powerful tool, um, so we're using practice then in the sense of doing something regularly for the purpose of cultivating or creating something else, then you need to change the choices that you make throughout the day and choose whatever that practice is. You see what I'm saying? So the person that sits down from me and I ask, so what do you do to take care of yourself? What's your normal routine through a day, week, month? What do you do? And they say nothing. I already know we're in trouble. Okay, so these are the basic practices any human being needs if they truly want to heal, if they truly want to change their story. Every single human being needs to move your blood and move your chi regularly. Stagnation in the physical body is death. Move your chi. Move your blood. You need a practice that's going to move your energy and clearly cultivate a healthy energy body. Back to grounding, boundaries, chakras, right? And I believe, frankly, that every human needs a place to anchor their conversation with the invisible world. In, in my language, in my world, I call that your altar or your shrine and how you then connect that with the cosmology, with how you see the world that you live in and yourself in it and your relationship then with the invisible world. That these practices are required back to that whole beginning of how do we allow our soul's purpose to become the cornerstone for our well-being, which becomes then the foundation for our health and our vitality. Everybody needs these three, three, three practices. Which ones you choose to do that is entirely up to you. There are many, many ways, many, many ways to do these things. But you need to do them. So by literally then taking charge of the alignment of your words and your actions – your choices in your life, your practices will begin to change your story from the outside in, which means you'll have the skills to stabilize and sustain any healing efforts that you ask for. And so a healing effort that we would ask for is change from the inside out. And both are important. So what I mean by outside in, is sometimes I can't get at the source of the problem, but I know the results of the problem in my everyday life. And so I am going to do my darndest to change my actions and choices in my everyday life so I don't act out the results of the problem in my everyday life. And in doing that, I shift the story because what we do in the world matters. So I shift the story, and in that way, I begin to change my relationship and take charge in a sense of taking back the storyteller. So I begin to change my relationship with the inner world that ultimately needs to be fixed. But I'm taking responsibility in the outer world because that's all I can reach. And sometimes that is a great way to start. Part of my shamanic teachings is about dance and movement and taking action in the physical world as a way to begin to move in from the outside in towards whatever the issue is. And then when you go and receive healing from someone, particularly shamanic healing, let's say, where it's a healing intervention, 
and we, we go to the source of the problem and reconcile things with the ancestors or bring back the soul part or remove the energy, then the issue is being addressed from the inside. And as you integrate it, then you, you, you've, the change has been made on the inside and then we integrate that change from the inside out. And so my actions to integrate the healing intervention, inside out healing, meet then my efforts in my life from the outside in to change things. And I meet in the middle and we squish out what the real problem is and we're done with that. That is the kind of healing and the balance between what is yours to do and what is the practitioner's to do that can succeed in truly getting to the source of a problem and ending it so you can get on with your life. Now, if you get on with your life, you're going to have new problems, but at least there'll be new ones. You know, this is why we're here is to, is to transform, to change a part of it i mean it's not the whole sum total of our purpose but the point is as long as we're alive we're here to change things the issue that i see that creates such depletion and hopelessness and lack of possibility and frankly just making life a big bummer is going around and around and around with the same issues for decades and not really getting anywhere so with your healing The question really is, what do you want? Where do you want to go with your healing? And then, are you getting there? Right? And then, is this place you think you want to get to actually a place of health and well-being for you? So, in the beginning of the show, I talked about how the world can break people's hearts. You know, the world breaks my heart, too, for many, many years from the time I was 11 or 12, uh, this brokenheartedness about the world contributed to what became an ever-growing and deepening depression. I struggled with addiction. I was disgusted with myself. And I really didn't like people at all. I get that. I did that. I've been there. And I could go back there again. I'd have to stop doing a whole lot of things. But I could. I'm human. What I have shared today is how to be the kind of person who finds what they need to confront the construct, the story that leads to your depression or your whatever it is. It's about how to be the kind of person who finds someone, like I found Phyllis Pei, who taught me this invaluable clearing practice that I talk about all the time and that I teach. And these simple tools that when practiced are life-changing. I'm trying to talk about how to be the kind of person who can take huge risks letting go of what has been so they actually reach that something new. So this is about how to be the kind of person in your healing process that finds a way to rescue your storyteller from the grip of your false self and to restore the heart and soul, your heart, your soul, to the storyline of your life. So this today was really about finding a way to strengthen your heart so that you can continue to love and let your heart break again and yet choose to love again and let your heart break again. Because in this way, we become the hearts that can become the medicine that will meet the needs of our time for ourselves 
and for those who are coming. So I give great gratitude for the helping spirits that hang in here with us, those human and those non-human, and for all the help that we give. I give enormous gratitude for the earth and her bounty and her beauty, her grace, and great thanks to the sky above and that divine energy. And I give enormous thanks to the hearts in each of us, the hearts that unite us all. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great week.